0: Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Yeah, let's do it. Let so the healing begin. Let so the healing begin.
1: God help you use voiceover in, you voice in your work, God my friends. God in your friends. It's sloppy writing. It's sloppy writing. I don't want writing. you to be the guy. The, I don't I want, want you to be me the guy. Everyone's really hoping. Everyone's really hoping. I want you to be like the guy in the way you are You know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like
0: him. Hello and welcome to this special edition i don't know why it's special but it's just an edition like this. Me. it's you and me it's me and lee edition of the get your film fix podcast <laughs> <laughs> um today we're going to be talking about the movie that came out actually quite quite some time ago first man um, We weren't
1: the first men to see it
0: we definitely weren't <laughs> we made it we may be the last though <laughs> Um, and then we're going to move on t- to an uh, in-depth discussion that'll, I'm sure, keep lots of people interested about my obsession with space and space movies. And then we're going to top it all off with, a, with a, uh, our top five biopics.
1: Are you sure? Yeah. Be an adventurer first man to walk on the moon that'd be something we've chosen a job so difficult requiring so many technological developments we're gonna have to start from scratch
0: okay lee so kind of going with our theme here about uh, you know, first identifying first man as a biopic, which I think it definitely is. Um, and I I guess what I'm wondering is, and I I don't want you to give too much away at what you thought about first man, um, in your answer, but do you kind of prefer this, the, the first man way of telling this kind of story? Um, because I, I found myself watching that movie and being like, you know, I know a lot about the Apollo program and I'm kind of confused about who's who and what's going on here. And so I, I, I'm wondering if like, I, I assume, you know, a little bit less than I do about the, the space program. Um, but did this sort of did, did the sort of disjointed nature in which this story was told appeal to you, or did it, or did it was it was it confusing? Would you have, would you, do you prefer things to be sort of better explained, better laid out, perhaps a little bit more clear uh, than they were in First Man?
1: Well, I'll get to a point I wrote down kind of regarding that in a second, but I, I think sort of what you're asking is, you know, w- would I have preferred. Just a movie about the Apollo program And the moon landing Or did I prefer what this is Which is kind of a biopic about Neil Armstrong And his part in that So it's it, the, uh, the Apollo program and all the intricacies of it And the drama of it And the, the subsequent Mission to the moon Was sort of Background I guess In a, in a way mm-hmm. in this movie Because our, our primary focus was Neil Armstrong um but i was i was a i guess i don't maybe this is the intent of uh the director Damien Chazelle and the screenwriter but i i actually think it was perhaps the opposite that all this movie really did in terms of the space program was convince me you know a lot of what people were questioning about it back then like it it kind of did seem like a waste of time and money and lives like
0: how dare you it, say it that was,
1: Uh, It seems just like a big clusterfuck. And, like, I don't think that was what the movie was trying to portray at all. I think it was the opposite. I think it was trying to suggest that it was worth all of that trouble and that their mission was important and everything that they were going through was, you know, uh, a sacrifice in a way.
0: Hmm. I don't know
1: how much that answers your question, but, like, I, I felt like the kind of disjointedness of this movie was sort of a representation of the the kind of chaos that that program appeared to be
0: okay yeah that's an interesting uh, yeah you didn't really answer my question but that's okay um,
1: yeah, I suppose that happens, I
0: guess. I mean, uh, but I think it's an interesting point. I was thinking about, um, you know, so obviously as I, as my introduction suggested and I, and to be fair, I was not the one who brought up our second topic being my obsession with the, with space. No, that was, that was your, your idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I have been rather obsessed with space. Um, uh, one, one sort of piece of film making that I always go back to when I think about this is, um, it was an early HBO miniseries called uh, "From the Earth to the Moon," um, and it was produced by uh, Steven Spielberg and um, Tom Hanks. It was kind of a precursor to.
1: Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah.
0: it was one yeah. of their first miniseries. I don't think I ever
1: saw it, but I, I remember it, and I remember kind of thinking I was like, "What's this? Like, sort of looks like a movie, but is a TV show and documentary."
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, it it is actually it is actually a twelve part um, miniseries. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's actually pretty good. And like Tom Hanks directs a couple, a bunch of them. And, um, but it, it, it's very much, um, the kind of by the book way we think of these things, you know, you, you, um, and a lot of the events depicted in first man were depicted in this one. And, you know, you've got a clear, I even think that in that, in that series, they've got like little subtitles, like telling us who's who, like, oh, this is Neil Armstrong or this is Buzz Aldrin. And like, um, You know, it it kind of keeps you and and but I guess the point is that that there was really none of that in First Man. Like you never know who anybody is. Um, I only knew a couple who a couple people were because I kind of researched it ahead of time. As oh, this actor is playing this astronaut. This actor is playing that. And so, I don't know. Like you know, for someone who may not have the background that I have, was that was that tough for you?
1: So that that I had no issue with in in terms of following who the characters were. Um, and kind of piecing it together, you know, by what I knew th- through Apollo 13, um, which is, you know, my uh, textbook for the space program. Right. Um, so that I didn't have an issue with. And I think that's because something that this movie very intentionally did was, and you mentioned it at the beginning, is followed the biopic formula. And a big important piece of that is making sure that you know who all the uh important people are. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, you had um obviously Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. Um Buzz Aldrin introduced himself as Buzz Aldrin and uh, sorry, I forget that actor's name. Um Corey he's Stoll, sort of I think a hard face Yeah, he's kind of a hard face to forget. Yeah. Um obviously we know um Patrick Fugit. I don't know who Elliot C was or is, but um, and Jason Clark had a big, big uh, part in this movie. And Kyle Chandler was, you know, he was Deke Slayton, but he was playing the guy that tells people things, which he does in every movie. Um, so that, <laughs> that for me worked fine. Um, but for me, like, it, what was interesting is that while it followed the biopic formula, it wasn't like your typical birth to death, Neil, Neil Armstrong's born, Neil Armstrong. Lands on the moon. Neil Armstrong dies. Right. Uh, biopic strategy. It it did focus a little bit on a specific point in his life, um, albeit sort of a long period. But though that was the, I guess the story within that was more the issue I had here.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, tell me your issue.
1: And I, well, all right. So if we're we're ready to to delve in, um, I I found it every little piece of this movie ultimately to be anticlimactic um you know it like i said it follows the biopic formula and the flaw in that formula i've always said is that it sort of just tests the water on everything that happens but never you know expounds upon anything and never gives anything its due time um on screen to explore kind of the deeper aspects of that and how it affects the characters and i feel like this movie was guilty of that and it became uninteresting and you know that there's a bigger piece to that because you know it's let's take the end of the movie for example when they land on the moon yeah you know how do you make that climactic uh we knew it happened we know how that what Neil Armstrong said when he landed like all there was no real suspense despite you know the dangers that they tried to suggest the mission had um so how do you make that exciting and suspenseful and climatic when you know that's going to happen and I and I have you know some theories on that and the note I actually wrote down which I think is sort of interesting because it ties back to our podcast on First Reformed when we were talking about Paul Schrader and his his uh um decision to not use those aids for the audience right like like music and things like that mm-hmm. and i and i thought about the end of apollo 13 when they're all waiting for them to come out of the atmosphere and it's just the 3 minutes go by the 4 minutes go by and if you know the story watching that movie you know that all three of them survived so you know they made it so how do you make that moment exciting and it's when they Come clear, and he says, "Houston, this is Odyssey. It's good to see you again." And the music goes swells, and everybody cheers. And it's like such an aid the audience moment. It's a feel good moment, but it works. It makes that whole scene work. And for some reason, I didn't feel like that that emotion in this movie.
0: Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. I completely disagree with you. Really. I do, yeah.
1: Oh, that's good. This doesn't happen much, so no. you liked this movie. I
0: liked it a lot. I thought it was amazing.
1: Okay, I was very disappointed. So tell me what. So who's what, right? Um, How do we figure out who's you? right? Well, what got well, What got you? What, what was it? So let me ask you this: Was it? Yeah. Did you? I mean, like you said, you felt the exact opposite in terms of the suspense and the drama and and in uh, the movie, but you know this is, like you said, a biopic, and it follows uh, Ryan Gosling's Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let, hear your piece before I get into my opinion on that aspect, but, like, you know, did that work? Did it... Did, did, was Armstrong an interesting enough character to get you through this movie? Apparently it was.
0: Well, I think he's an interesting character in the sense of, like, you know, who he is and what he's accomplished. I mean, he is an important figure uh, to in american history whether you like him or not and i think you know what at least i took away and what i've kind of always thought about neil armstrong in relation to this american achievement and he is he does kind of encapsulate this spirit and this sort of um you know image we have of the you know of, of sort of the you know, the post-war man. I mean, he's he's not quite in that, you know, World War II generation. He's a little bit uh, younger than that. But, you know, kind of what we think of as heroes, being these kind of silent and, um, you know, not always, you know, focused and kind of, you know, not always the most uh, friendly people. Um, and I've always thought that was an interesting um, aspect of his, of his personality, especially one who um, you know, has accomplished you know, such an amazing and great achievement. Um, that being said, I, I, I do think this movie is beyond just the study of Neil Armstrong. I think this movie is about the, the, the getting to the moon and, um, all that it's not quite as comprehensive as you know the document or the from the earth to the moon or um even like
1: uh, it's also what (laughs) 25 hours shorter yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Um, or or even apollo 13 i mean you know we don't spend as much time in like the, the the you know the lunar module or whatever as as we do in apollo 13 and we you know you one could argue that that's a an even better study of what that was that what that experience was actually like. And, but what I thought was really fascinating about this movie was that it just, it was, and what I, what I read about it early on, I tried to avoid reading full reviews, but what I noticed early on was like, yeah, this movie is very focused on like the technical aspects. It's very technical. And I'm like, and when I, after I got it, I'm like, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's a, that's true. But the reality was that this movie was just focused on sort of the minutiae and the and the details of, of things and the way it told its story. Like, I mean, it, it never showed you like a comprehensive wide shot. It never showed you, you know, everything you kind of wanted to see to understand these things. Um, you know, so much of this movie, like, I mean, a surprising amount of this movie is told in the, a close-up of Ryan Gosling's eyes. Um, and... I, I you know you you learn a lot from that, but also just like <clears throat> instead of the, you know we see a lot of things from his perspective, the, like the rivets and in, in the in the um, the construction of the of the spacecraft and like the details about that you know little little details of the construction of you know what essentially is this tin can that that they sent to the moon and. Um, you know the uh, just feeling like the 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 way you what these guys felt when they were launched essentially in missiles into the atmosphere you know out, out of the Earth's atmosphere, and you know what that must have felt like. Um, and you know, to me, I I just thought that was such an original. I, I mean, I was not expecting that from from Damien Chazelle, who you know whose last movie was this kind of very traditional looking. Um, you know, kind of almost unaware of itself musical um that you know kind of everybody seemed to fall in love with a couple of years ago but you know was this kind of this crowd pleaser where you know suddenly his then his, then his next movie is this movie that's almost it's almost like anti-audience you know it's like it it, it does it gives you every, it, it, it is that rule that uh, Paul Schrader talked about like it it removes things what was that called again i just listened to that podcast so i'm frustrated that i don't remember what that was called but what was the term
1: i forget i i said like aids for the audience but that's not what he said no it yeah was, it was like it was, yeah, yeah the
0: art of like remove like remove you know withholding or something withholding yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that and and I don't know that Chazelle does that completely here. Like he just, but he just doesn't show you the things that you expect to see, like the wide, the beautiful wide shots, the you know, the kind of the. He doesn't give the audience those you know expository details that they probably need, and and that's why I asked you that question because I know that you don't know quite as you know. I kind of know the, the, a little bit more about this than the average person, and so maybe I wasn't you know me being lo- not lost in this movie. Uh, was not, you know, a, a representative of people's experiences, but like I just thought that that was kind of a, a cool trick. Like you, you are, you know, that doesn't really matter in this context. Like he's just trying to put you in to Neil Armstrong's shoes, and and you feel that way. You feel the way these these planes shake, and you know when he's flying the X fifteen at the beginning, you know, you feel the tension of that of that tiny little aircraft, you know, rattling around and. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 do, I, I don't do know how you make the moon landing, um, uh, you know, more exciting than it is. I think one thing you might be underestimating is we are a little older than, you know, we used to be. <laughs> um, <and> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that is a revelation? Um, and uh,
1: but You I, heard it here first.
0: <laughs> we're a little older than we used to be. <laughs> Um, but I, I I do think like uh, you know uh, me going to see this movie, discuss it with some of my coworkers who are younger, and they don't. And and some of the older people in the office here were saying like you know a lot of the young people don't appreciate the moon landing or don't quite know about it. You know it's it, it you know people who are ten years younger than us may not you know have the same appreciation for it as you know people who are ten years older than us, right? And um, I I think that. That doesn't necessarily mean there's tension automatically in the moon landing, but I don't know. I felt it, and I knew everything that was going to happen, so...
1: Alright, so I think the, the most important thing you pointed out there was the perspective of Neil Armstrong in this movie, and I think a perfect example of it is when Ed White and the other astronauts die in the fire, and we find out... Well, we, we see it happen, but we find out or we see Neil Armstrong finding out as, like, just through his eyes, basically over the phone is how he learns about it. But you never really – I mean, you hear Kyle Chandler on the other end, but it's very much a moment kind of in his thoughts and how he reacts to that. Sure. And that was kind of a microcosm of my issue with him in this movie. And we talked about being excited about this movie very much uh, because we were getting the Ryan Gosling strong, silent type – contemplative character that that we agreed he is best in but you know there's a difference between quiet and contemplative and no emotion and boring and i i fell on the latter side there i just i never really like got past the like the emotionless of Armstrong and I I know that the effort was made to show that there was something there and that he was internalizing everything but like the, the gears were always moving in in his head and he was you know just kind of processing everything internally in his own way and I know that that was the the attempt and that that was what was trying to be there but it it didn't come across for me so that just like made every scene seem like either unearned drama or anticlimactic so like you know the we have to fail we have to fail down here so we don't fail up there. scene just was wasted on me because I was like now you like I get it like now he's like kind of snaps and yells and says like what he's thinking and that was never there but like I just felt like he he wasn't I wasn't ever kind of in the same mindset as him throughout the movie hmm But that having been said, like everything you said about kind of putting you in the position of like what is going on with these astronauts and like you know being inside this rocket and and trying to make the drama out of that, I think was a smart choice because it is something that we haven't seen and it is you know giving the audience credit. And you know that I would so much rather have less is more when it comes to exposition and explaining things. Like I almost think and this probably isn't smart or responsible when it comes to a filmmaker, but I almost think that it, as you're making a movie, you should be going through it and saying, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's your own fault, not mine. I shouldn't have to babysit you. And we talk about that with like Paul Thomas Anderson and some of the great directors. And I think that's you know, oftentimes a sign of a good movie when you're not waiting for your audience to catch up. And so, that's, so I don't need the Apollo 13 music cue at the end of... Uh, the moon landing here that was just an example of where I that I was using where you know a, a, an ending that you knew was inevitable still like allowed you to be on the edge of your seat and I think that is still necessary even if you aren't trying to make it necessarily exciting by sure. adding something I still think the, the a movie like this especially I think needs to have you sort of you know glued to the screen and I and I I don't feel like it did that. I feel like the scenes where it tried to get you like that, like where Armstrong says, you know, we need to fail down here. Or where Claire Foy is yelling about them being boys with toys or whatever, mm-hmm. and they have nothing under control. And I felt like those were all just so forced.
0: Sure, sure. And you you might be right. I think I think what's interesting about what you're saying is, you know, when I went into this, with the background of having, you know, knowing all this stuff, like what I wanted was what the film gave me. Right. It was like, I want like the, what's missing for me about my knowledge right. of the space program and specifically of the Apollo program is like, what, what does this feel like? Like the tension right. of it, yep. the, the, the fear of it. And so they gave that to me. But that being said, like, I don't know that to your point, I don't know that I left that film. I, I, I think, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying about the office, uh, on the office podcast, I don't know how, you know, I I never thought we'd make the connection between first man and the office, but you know, <laughs> where, where like the form, the, you know, the form of the office allowed them to say so much more, um, mm-hmm. than then I think one would expect, I think the form of first man, like let them say less, like to your point, you know, a movie that was a little bit more, um, maybe a little more traditionally made, maybe, maybe took you through those, uh, Apollo 13, for lack of a better word, beats a little bit um, more swiftly than Ch- Chazelle did. You know, could probably say something about um, about Armstrong and maybe the space program at large. Um, more than this film could. I think, I I don't know, you know, reading some of those reviews, now I think I'm understanding it a little bit, seeing it through your eyes a little bit. You step away, and it becomes like, it feels very technical. It feels very detail-oriented, and it's hard to sort of say something and transcend those details if you're not, you know, if you're so fixated on them. I mean, they had those scenes where, you know, they had the song, which I guess was a, um, I, I think Maya, like Maya Angelou or Jill Scott-Heron. It's one of those one of those songs that somebody was, they were singing about, like, uh, you know, pe- what people's thoughts, like the white man, the whiteies going to the moon and all that, which I thought was, you know, I- interesting. But for the most part, like, it's so much, like, you're just seeing everything through Armstrong's, you know, eyes, and, you know, you have so little understanding of what's going on, even with, even around you. Like, did, you know, pa- did you know that Pablo, um, what's his name, played Jim Lovell? Like, you know, you, you know, this is a character we've seen played by Tom Hanks and we don't even know that um, Ray Donovan's brother is playing this character. <laughs> Anyways, <Right. laughs> um, I guess my point being that like, it's so it, it, you're, you're kind of the movie is kind of uh, inhibited by its form. You know, it can't, there's not so yep, much you can yep. say. Does that make sense?
1: But yes. Well, I, I agree with that. And, And like I said, I think that that's a a smart choice to do something like that. But where you then need to succeed is in Armstrong. Like you need like and it seems like it worked for you and it didn't work for me. But like, you know, there's a and I I don't mean to keep going back to Apollo 13 because it's not totally fair to keep comparing the two. But there's a there's a line in Apollo 13 where Jim Level says, he's talking to his wife about the moon and he just kind of says very longingly, I want to go back there. And you just see, like, the desire in him and, like, that this is just something that he wants and loves. And you don't get that from Armstrong. It feels like it's just a job to him. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But, like, how do you get behind that? Like, how, And, you know, how can he be the hero of the movie? And, like, and how can he... And that's why I think I, I, I kind of fell into that this did seem like a waste of time and money and lives because, like, nobody seemed like they they felt like it was important either. It just seemed like they were getting paid to do it. And and every time, you know, all the astronauts were kind of like squabbling over who was going to get the, the flight assignment. And Gosling as Armstrong was always just kind of like not interested. And like when he was told by by Deke that he was going to the moon, he was just kind of like, okay, like I, there didn't seem to be that, that, you know, kind of emotion and excitement about, you know this prospect and and on the flip side of that what I what I did like is and I did see was kind of the the weight of him knowing he was going to be the first man on the moon before right. it even happened like right. you do kind of think about like okay how, what's that like afterwards like well how does he have a conversation with people where he was the first man on the moon but what about the leading up to that knowing that if everything goes right you're going to be this person in history and and that I think is a hard thing to portray and and they did do a really good job with that so Mm -hmm. I wish there was more of that I wish there was more of us being able to see kind of like the emotion that he had and like kind of just getting a little deeper inside his head
0: Mm -hmm. okay well fair enough
1: so you have anything anything additional no I don't I was disappointed with the Claire Foy character in this. Cause I like her a lot. I was excited to see that she was in this. I'm even more disappointed that the dragon tattoo movie's not getting good reviews. Yeah. Um, but like, it was such a, it's such a throwaway character. Like, you know, if you compare it to Marilyn level in Apollo 13 that has, you know, such an important, you know, role. She just was like, uh, oh, the, the housewife left behind to take care of kiddies.
0: Really, I I thought she was. Uh, I don't know. I thought she I don't was feel in... like
1: they brought much to her. I thought she was good, like she was good in it, but
0: yeah. Um. How did you feel about the uh, the photography? <laughs> uh,
1: I felt it was relatively pedestrian. Really. Um. Oh, Consider well, I considering the movie. Like, I mean, it it's it's. Stands above like your average movie for sure. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I, you know, I, I think about when I think about a, the photography in a space movie, like gravity comes to mind or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. just, you know, absolutely gorgeous. And I didn't feel like this totally had it. Although there were some really cool things that they like. I, and I, I, I almost credit it more to the direction than the photography. Um, like this, the, um, launch when they're you're just in the space shuttle with them and it's, it's shaking and i actually saw that clip they played that clip in i in an imax theater when i was i forget what i was seeing but like i freaking i had a hard on for like two minutes of it watching that which sequence so it's it's not the launch to the when they go to the moon it's the one that one before that i forget it's the one when they go up and then gemini they end, yeah. and he ends up in a spin yeah, gemini eight yeah So the launch on that one where you're just in there and it's just like the camera shaking all around you and everything on their launch. That's just so, so intense. Um, Like I loved when they did stuff like that, which was great. And I mean, maybe that's a credit to the photography as well as the direction.
0: Yeah. I just, I thought that it's kind of, it seems kind of trite, but this idea of like shooting the older stuff in 16 millimeter, I thought worked really nicely. I thought the. The way the kind of the, the heightened grain, in, you know, it was it was a bold choice to like shoot this like high tech stuff, yeah. this stuff, and this like you know on this kind of sub optimal format, and especially you know with the in the digital age when you know almost everything now is shot digitally, seeing something shot on 60 millimeter film is pretty striking, and I thought that worked really really well. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm 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 sorry you didn't like this, but I feel like. <laughs>
1: Okay, one, one more thing I'd, I think we should discuss, because this, this kind of ties into everything, it, and I I'm think a it falls mostly into the quote-unquote biopic aspect of this movie. Um, so we learn at the beginning, or we see at the beginning, that um, the Armstrongs lose a child. Right. Um, and it's bookended with him dropping uh, the... Um, I forget what it was. It was a bracelet. That, a bracelet. Yeah. On the moon, and uh, so, how did you feel about that? That doing that and tying that back in?
0: Um, I wasn't crazy about that. <clears throat> I don't. I don't like the idea of him crying on the moon. <laughs> That's just a personal <laughs> he thing. He
1: didn't. Re- you just say he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I
0: just say he didn't do that. He 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 can drop the bracelet, but I don't think he should have cried. I don't think Bill well, so my thing is cried.
1: That, yeah. Do you feel? But did you feel? Him carrying that with him through the whole movie, they definitely tried to kind of intersperse it, yeah. You know, I th- like th- I, that, that weight of losing a child,
0: I think so. I think, I think you definitely felt but that. Did that,
1: but did that, and, and so did that drive him to go to the moon? Like, I feel like that's what they were trying to
0: no, suggest. I, I don't think so. I think what they were suggesting was this guy who you know was kind of you know maybe on the, was already on the spectrum of Asperger's or having some antisocial tendencies, you know, had this tragic thing happen to him and that kind of made him even more introverted. And, um, yeah, I I don't know, but I I think, I think especially with a job like that, it must've been very difficult for, you know, you're not, they're, those guys are, are absent a lot. You know, they're not. They're not always yeah. around, and and so I'm sure that the guilt of losing a child was 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 incredible. And I know I, I do not think that they were saying that that was driving him to get to the moon.
1: Once we've gathered enough speed around Gargantua, we use Lander One and Ranger Two as rocket boosters to push us out of the black hole's of gravity. Lander's linkages have been destroyed, so we'll have to control manually. Once Lander One is spent, Tars will detach and get sucked right into that black hole. Why does Tars have to detach? Oh, well, we have to shed the weight to escape the gravity. Newton's third law. The only way humans have ever figured out of getting somewhere is to leave something behind.
0: Cooper, you can't ask Tars to do this for us.
1: He's a robot. See, so I don't have to ask him to do anything for you asshole. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there. It's what we intended, Dr.
0: Brand. It's our only chance to save people on Earth. If I can find a way to transmit the quantum data I'll find in there, they might still make it. Let's just hope there's still someone there to save.
1: I looked up. I was curious. So, and I suggested this kind of to discuss it as you know, not only your obsession with space and space movies, but like space movies as a genre within themselves. Like, I don't even know if you can call it a subgenre of sci fi anymore. Like, with the amount of movies that have been made over the many, many years of movies, it's essentially a genre in and of itself. So, I looked up kind of the themes that are consistent within that genre that kind of define it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I got, you know, a huge, a huge list. So, it, but a lot of the things that were on it were sort of one and the same. So um, you have, like, aliens versus, or another life form, that idea. Um, sure. Uh, you have artificial intelligence. Um, you have, you know, apocalyptic situations um, or, the, you know, the end of the world and looking for a new world to live in or the future, anything like that. Um, language, something we saw with Arrival um, from Denis Villeneuve. Uh, And then I think kind of like an overarching theme, but maybe it's one on its own, is exploration. Um, And I'm curious if one of those or any of them in particular are what attracts you to space or space movies. Are you interested in space because of aliens or is it or what is it?
0: Well, I think I do. I do think it's like, excuse me. <clears throat> I do think it's it's the idea of exploration, the idea of it being the kind of to take a steal a term from Star Trek, the final frontier. Um, sure. And I, I mean, I do think there's a difference between science fiction and you know movies set in space. I don't know that I would call Gravity or First Man or Apollo 13 science fiction. Um, right. You know, whereas an Earthbound movie like uh, The Blade, some people would
1: call First Man science fiction.
0: Uh yeah. I'm not sure I understand that joke, but. Um,
1: Wait, People you... say the moon landing didn't happen.
0: Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, and whereas like an Earthbound movie, like the the um, Blade Runner movies, for example, are you know very much science fiction. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in general, I th- I think you you once made the connection between you know Master and Commander and all the space movies I like. You know, they're all kind of adventure films, and um, I think it, it, it's a it's a space is one of those places like the ocean that are both sort of fascinating and terrifying at the same time. Um, and you know, you, you, they're, they're very, very dangerous, but they're also very, you know, like amazing, um, important places to explore and can be kind of beautiful beautiful and beautiful. Yeah. yeah, And awe inspiring and can make you think about, uh, you know, your place in the world and things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's really, I I love movies that are, that are set in space. So maybe I was pre pre predetermined to, to like first man.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Um, So follow up to that then, like, you know, based on kind of on what you said, where like, you know, space is both a dangerous, but awe inspiring place, which in saying that makes it sound like a very, very easy thing to utilize to make a movie because you have some built in drama there. Sure. You think it's, Used as a crutch very often because there's actually a lot of really 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 great space movies. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's surprisingly it's a surprisingly successful genre.
0: Yeah, um, I think it can be. I mean, like you t- like let's take a movie like like Gravity. I mean, it's uh, much but has been written about its sort of ridiculousness. It, it's not scientifically accurate in any in any way, right? It's you know they essentially like. They like take a fire. They ride a fire extinguisher to the Chinese space station or something. You know these, all these things. You know those. Those, they're hundreds of miles away from each other. It's so much of it is impossible. But, I mean, it's 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 just such like a unique environment, right? Like like people are, like like I was, you know, what went back to what what I was saying, you know, on your previous question, like these this idea of it being a very dangerous place but it's some place that we also like see so like that that can also be awe-inspiring and a, and a place where characters who explore these areas are both you know motivated to go further and um you know take maybe uh uh risks that they wouldn't take in other areas because they want to you know achieve some knowledge or you know push the push um discovery farther and so that kind of dichotomy between danger and you know, whatever the positive side of this is, the you know exploration, knowledge, da da da, um, that kind of, that balance makes it more, to me, just a little bit more, um, kind of substantial than than your I think your question is suggesting.
1: No, I mean I think that's I, I think that's true, I, and and that's why I, I mean I, I guess that's probably why there's you know, a successful model here. Um, I guess, I, I mean, I get. I sort of contradicted myself where I said that it could can it be used as a crutch because, but there's also a lot of really good ones. But um, off the top of my head, I don't, I mean, there's obviously some absolutely horrible movies, but do you, can you think of any that sort of, you know, aren't just like, you know, throw away shitty movies, but, you know, miss perhaps because they do rely on that dichotomy too much?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. Um,
1: c- I mean, I think First Man sort of felt, was guilty of that because they tried to emphasize the importance of, you know, exploration and being the first of the moon. And they also tried to emphasize how dangerous it was. And as a result, each thing was sort of just kind of briefly tapped into and and that's why I found much of it to be anticlimactic like I, I didn't feel like they were, each of those elements was given their credit given their due credit because the movie was relying on that idea that you know space is dangerous of course it's dangerous but space is also an important place to dis, to explore and discover and almost you know assuming the audience knew that and just from movies they'd seen before or or whatever and didn't emphasize those, those elements enough.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, it sounds like it, it sounds like kind of a trite thing for me to say, but I I do think that they may have over, excuse me, over played the danger of space. I mean, yes, some people died, uh, getting us there but you know for such a get m- over it yeah I mean get over it move on but <laughs> I mean
1: 650, 60 years but ago but two you
0: know two people died flying back and you know because they were they were you know these guys were flying around the country and they flew uh, you know his buddy his friend uh, the the yep. Jason Clark character no no he died in a he died no, in Apollo uh, 1 but um Patrick Fugit yeah Patrick Fugit died, died, died. Yeah. they were just you know they, fl- they had to fl- they had to go everywhere and like visit you know visit some uh you know factory in the middle of the country you know to encourage the as kind of a pr thing and they got caught in some bad weather and died and and and, you know those things happened but and the apollo one thing obviously that was very dangerous but they weren't flying in space i mean it was very very dangerous but there there was a lot of you know i i don't think it compares to you know taking a man of war across the Atlantic ocean searching, you know, for a French ship that was much more dangerous. A lot of people died doing that, you know, on that one little boat. Um, and so, um, I, I, I think, but you know, that, that being said, a lot of, a lot of people have died since the Apollo program, uh, in space exploration. No one, no Americans have ever died in space, but, um, and, you know, we've got li- people living in space um, as we speak who don't, um, you know, ve- very safely. It's just um, – I don't know. I, I'm kind of digressing about about the safety no, I of mean, space. It's just I, – I I think that no, they – No, but they,
1: ca- it's, they just told us over and over again how dangerous it was, whether yeah. it was with Claire Foy's blow-up or whether it was, uh, you know, just the, the reaction of everybody uh, to to the astronauts dying in the fire. Like, it just – but it never, I I don't know. I I kept hearing it, but I was never feeling it. Sure.
0: Yeah. And we've, you know, unfortunately we've, we, we've seen done pretty well, a movie about the most dangerous kind of moment in the Apollo program. And you know, that was, that movie is, is fantastic. And, um,
1: Armageddon, you mean? Yeah.
0: Armageddon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, the most dangerous fish in the <laughs> fall right <program>. right well, <laughs> um but yeah so
1: <clears throat> i it, another space movie you like right right
0: right right, <laughs> right. yeah well that's really dangerous <laughs> you know when a when a space station can blow up in a fiery ball of gas explosions uh,
1: yeah with with not a single astronaut trained astronaut around right right right
0: right uh brilliant
1: oh man the 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 older I get, and, and as our listeners know, uh, we're older than we used to be, the more I like Armageddon.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Which I
1: don't understand why. It feels like, if anything, it should be getting worse, but...
0: I know, right? Michael Bay is like um, a fine wine. He just, he ages.
1: No, it's, it's, it's so backwards. Like, I have this, uh, like, uh, maybe it's just like a, a maturity or something, or just... A respect I have for filmmakers in general but like I have more like a growing respect for Michael Bay because uh, <laughs> he just makes the same kind of movies all the time but like I, that's all he's trying to do yeah that's true so I feel like I used to just be like oh Michael Bay what a you know horrible director his movies suck you know cut 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 but I don't know like okay that's what he's doing and that seems to be working for him so more power to him Absolutely.
0: Okay, let's move anyway, let's move on. So we have, t- we,
1: have digressed. we have digressed.
0: So, now here it is our top 5 Michael Bay movies. <laughs> All right, you should introduce the top 5.
1: So, surprisingly we've never done top 5 biopics. Um so this is a genre that I've been critical of for a long long time. Um both the movies themselves and even more so i think the performances within them that often get a lot of credit um and can i
0: say i think sometimes i i i i I, uh, pick at you because you have little piccadillies that annoy you that probably shouldn't but i think you're absolutely i've always admired your opinions on biopics and you pointed out a lot for me um so i'm glad you're bringing this up
1: well and it's actually very easy to be swept up by the performances in biopics and especially one's and the examples I always use are Ray and walk the line where you see, you know, a, a Johnny cash impression and a Ray Charles impression. That's very, uh, accurate. And it comes across as a great performance. And, and I just always <clears throat> think like, you know, those are Oscar winning or Oscar nominated performances that probably won over, you know, honestly, I think the best, way to put it is and granted he was nominated for a supporting actor but jamie fox was nominated that same year for collateral which i think he is better in than he is in ray sure uh so anyway we're digressing a little bit there but um i think the tricky thing with this top five was defining what a biopic actually yeah is. i'm
0: glad you're bringing that up too because um it was tricky
1: So, what I... You know, I was asking sort of these questions like, you know, does the person have to be famous for it to really be considered a biopic? I just saw Beautiful Boy. I mean, that's a biography based on some real-life characters, but it wouldn't necessarily be classified as a biopic. Uh, Ultimately, what I sort of settled on was that the movie ultimately had to be uh, much more character-driven than story-driven. And I do think that the well and i at least and this is what i did is that the the main character in it had to have some significance historically it didn't have to be a major historical figure but it had to be like this they were making this movie about somebody that perhaps we've read about or you know made a, a difference in some way shape or form uh what did you
0: do? Sure. I mean, I, I, I had a similar thought. I, I went a little bit further cause I thought I saw things in here like the social network.
1: Like I, did too, I don't yeah. call,
0: I would not call that a biopic. Um, and
1: so that for me, that was like my idea between character driven and story. Like that's the story of the founding of gotcha. Facebook. And like, it's sort of about Mark Zuckerberg, but not, but like,
0: me. what about like a movie like Goodfellas? Like that's
1: same, same idea. Okay, great. Same idea. Excellent. For me. Yep. So
0: you and I are on the same page. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. Well, that's the same for me. Um, and yeah, uh, the only the only thing is, I think I wanted to try. Uh, I don't want to know if I want to get to. Uh, th- yeah, that's all I'm going to say for now.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. You want to give your number five? Sure.
0: Um, my number five. I I just kind of th- just thought of this movie, and I saw first time I saw it, I wasn't blown away by it, but um, once I thought a little bit about the form and the way the storytelling took uh, unfolded um I, I i was really impressed with it and then i saw it again and i actually really liked it and i think it's an interesting look into um a complicated man and that's steve jobs which believe it or not is about steve jobs
1: i'm glad you meant he brought put this one on um it's
0: written by um written by the old what's his name um <laughs> I'm sorry, it's written by Mr. Famous Screenwriter. Uh, looking him up right I don't know why I'm flanking on <laughs> it the blank? guy that wrote Social Network. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Steve Jobs movie.
1: You can cut all this. Okay, out. I gotta
0: cut this out. It's of course written by the brilliant Aaron Sorkin, um, and it's um, it's told in three parts, um, and they're all kind of like. Each part is is during or, or precedes the um, introduction of another Apple product, um, and they're kind of these sort of condensed, almost like real time scenes. Each one of them, um, and yeah, I just I, and there's 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 other bits about this about this movie that are. Um, it's it's not just contained that they flash back and th- at times, which I'm glad they do because it, I think it would be a little bit um, dry if they didn't. Um, but yeah, it's just it's such a it's it's so I think. In, in many ways and I, I know you I don't know if you've seen this or even if it's a great movie for you and it's not necessarily a great movie for me but I think it's like it is in many ways like the prototypical answer to your problem with uh, biopics and that it's like these condensed moments where you just learn so much about a character just because you see the way they interact with people and there's not a ton of exposition it's really just like this character is you can tell you, you learn about him and you, you understand the man because you just see him interacting with other people um, and uh, Danny Boyle directed this, and I think he like cal- you know calmed himself down a lot to make this movie. But like his energy is is there in these scenes, and I, I really liked it. And I think you know it didn't do particularly well and didn't get a lot of recognition. And I think it's worth uh, revisiting.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you put it on your list. I think it's great. I think you're absolutely right. This movie, as a biopic, did everything right in what a biopic should do. And as a result, the performances ended up being absolutely right. I mean, Michael Fassbender was, of course, great. Um, Jeff Daniels was amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. I loved Kate Winslet in this movie. I think I, I'm sort of alone on that island. Um, but, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think it it, it is the answer to that biopic problem. Um, all right, so I've got a couple somewhat pretentious picks on my list, but I am always sort of glad for these opportunities to kind of revisit, um, some movies that I've always been a big fan of. Um, but we don't get to talk about much, or I haven't seen in a really long time. And this is a movie I saw in film school. Um, when I was doing a, um, uh, class on, on Paul Muni. Um, actually, I don't think the whole class was on him, but that would have been a weird class. But, um, (laughs) anyway, uh, it's the story of Louis Pasteur. Um, Paul Muni plays Louis Pasteur in it. And it's... Uh, the movie is is fascinating, um, kind of seeing his life. But it's such an it amazing performance. It's called The Story of Louis Pasteur oh. is the name of the movie. Um, but it's such an amazing performance. And Paul Muni, I've, I've talked about much you know, in the first versions of the podcast um, about sort of being kind of the unrecognized first method actor Um, and you see that in this movie, like he just totally becomes uh, this character and it's, you know, Louis Pasteur you know, uh, for people who don't know, invented pasteurization essentially Um, and it's, there's not really a lot on the surface that you would find particularly interesting but the, the way the kind of family dynamic works in this movie and like his sort of drive to you know accomplish what he accomplishes is all really kind of fascinating and in in you know kind of that edge of your seat drama I was I said was missing in and um in First Man much different type of movie of course but Paul Muni is the 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 star here and the highlight of that movie and and worth seeing for that if nothing else
0: yeah, it's only 87 minutes, and everybody can afford and that
1: time. That's a draw. That's the other draw.
0: <laughs> okay, good pick. The Interesting, the poster for this on Wikipedia, it makes him look like an evil magician.
1: I know it does. <laughs>
0: um, okay, well, my number four, uh, I'm p- picking partly just because I want to make sure we keep all our regular listeners happy, um, and so that's why I picked Martin Scorsese's The Aviator. Um <laughs>
1: Who could you be talking about? But the
0: reality is, I actually do like this movie. I do remember, I think, I I remember, I know that I saw this with Jeremy, and you very well could have been there as well, um, in Boston when it came out, and we were so excited for it because it was Leo back with... Um, although he wasn't really Leo at that time, um, but he but it was Scorsese, and I think it was a little bit disappointing at the time. But that movie has grown on me. I think it, I think Scorsese is doing some really original things in it with the color palette, and um, it is a little bit of that sort of soup to nuts um, biopic that that we've that we've derided, of, I think, very fairly, um, and I think the movie suffers a little bit for it. But it does really focus on, um, I think, a pretty A pretty condensed version of um, Howard Hughes' life Uh, and it combines two of my favorite things which is making movies and planes so um, (laughs) that's why it's on my list I also think the argument could be made that this is the movie that made Leo who he is today Um, I don't think it was Gangs in New York I think it was this movie and uh, yeah I think it's got a lot a lot of credit to give
1: and it is twice as long as a story of louis pastor (laughs) yeah you can watch louis pastor twice (laughs) in the time you watch the uh uh all right my number four you don't have
0: any thoughts on the aviator
1: i am i have to see it again i i have to see it again i um you're right it's not a movie that i i uh look upon very fondly um but I've heard both you and Tyson over the years. Tyson always being a big advocate of it, and you, um, sort of, uh, agreeing, suggesting agree that it's been, while gr- I'm been growing on you. <laughs> um, yeah, being peer pressured into liking it. Um, so it's one that I have to revisit. Um, but it is the aforementioned two hours and fifty minutes long. So it's uh, you know, it's <laughs> I've started revisiting it. It's just. <laughs> It's taking a while. Okay. Um, all right. My number four. Uh, this is a movie that I've always really liked, and it's not one, and this is probably the one that um, is least within the kind of uh, rule structure of my list as far as biopics go, because it's not one that I would have necessarily pegged as a biopic, but I really think that it is. It's The Insider. From Michael Mann. Okay, that's uh, really interesting. And it's, I guess, the story of Jeffrey Wygand, um perhaps also the story of Al Pacino's character in it. <laughs> um, yeah. Stand by. <laughs> God, I'm so unprepared for these podcasts. I used to just be. No, you know, no, no, what's point. his name? No. Uh, yes. Uh, lowell Burton. Lowell, lowell. Low. Lowell Berg. Bergman. Um, but, again, this is, you know, for me this was something that, like, I remember seeing this movie and I was just... And I, I didn't know that it was based on a true story. I didn't. This is the first Michael Mann story that I'd... Uh, first Michael Mann movie that I'd ever seen. So I, I didn't really know much about Michael Mann at the time. And I was just, like, so blown away by, like, the detail that, like, he put into that character. Mm. And, like 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 the little scenes of him going to teach chemistry at the high school the new job and like he's sort of good at it like in that one little like 2 minute scene yeah, you get yeah. and it seems like such an unimportant scene because he's it, but it it turns out it is actually like a really important cuz he's so socially awkward but like seems kind of in his element there for some reason and like all those little things in that movie that work to define that character is what allows that movie to work as a whole because it's, it's a lot of talking. Like the story is relatively interesting, but it's not enough to make an, a compelling movie, but the, the Jeffrey Wigand character that Michael Mann creates is. And I think that's why as a biopic, it works. Yeah.
0: Only Michael Mann could spend $68 million making a movie with, you know, no action in it uh, <laughs> in 1999 um no i mean I, I disagree with you i i think this movie is amazing uh it's one of my favorite uh favorite you disagree I, I disagree i don't think it's a biopic i just don't think oh, okay i i um but i'm glad you brought it up because it did make me think of um michael mann's movie ali um which was the first thing that came to mind when we talked about great biopics and it did not make my list ultimately but i do think there's so many lessons to be learned from that movie um in that it does, it does what you kind of advocate for. It kind of it doesn't give you that ex, the expository detail you're looking at. It looks at a very intense moment um, in uh, Muhammad Ali's life, and um, I think he applies much. Uh, this uh, Ali was the movie he fought. He fought that followed um, the Insider, and there's a lot of the same characteristics. I just don't think the Insider is a biopic. Um, Okay, but,
1: and I and and I won't argue too much with you there. Like I I, I kind of gave my reasons for qualifying it as such, but um, you know I can understand that for sure.
0: Okay, all right. Your number. My three. number three. Um, this is a movie uh, that I of all the movies uh, on my list I, I I've seen the longest to go. And it's uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. I just remember being blown away by this movie when I saw it, and I, I know uh, it's a, a astounding performance by um, Denzel Washington, one of my favorite actors. Um, and uh, I don't know, like he's he's kind of like there's like kind of three stages to him. He's kind of like this street hustler at the beginning wearing those like flashy colorful suits and he's walking down the street with spike lee and then he yeah and then he has all these other iterations and i I don't know it's just a crime that he didn't win the oscar for that or that it didn't win best picture um and yeah i thought it was i I think it's an incredible movie
1: yeah i i've always really liked that movie and i for some reason i i feel like that movie is underrated is not the word but like i don't know it's given a bad rap of some kind i don't know if that's because of malcolm x the person or because of spike lee or something but i i think that that movie is really good um you know it it's long again you're uh you've got a a long running time on your list oh yeah this one's this one's almost twice as long as the aviator (laughs) jesus (laughs) um but yeah i i think that's a great pick thank you sir um Alright, my number my number three is a movie I absolutely would need to see again. However, it's on my list I think for a reason that you pointed out with Steve Jobs where it is it is the perfect example of what to do with a biopic and it is about someone perhaps, well I'm sure even more famous than Steve Jobs so it would be very easy to do the opposite. It is Downfall ah. um, which are essentially the story of, of Hitler's last days and if there's a historical character in the world in the world history begging to have a movie made about him from birth to death, it's Adolf Hitler. Uh, and here they choose to just settle on a few days essentially, um, in his bunker, uh, with an absolutely amazing performance from Bruno Bruno Gantz, I think is how you mm-hmm. say is that right? Is how you say his name? Yep. Um, which has been parodied, you know, over and over and over again with you know anything that any person in the world has ever been upset about they just throw the subtitles of that underneath that famous scene of him losing his mind but again this is this is just such like a disciplined look at this character and again i think you learn you know about his temperament and you learn about you know how how people you know listened to him and reacted to him in just these kind of few short days in portrayed in this movie. And I think, you know, that's more than we would learn in, you know, this hypothetical movie about his entire life. Yeah. And I think that's what a biopic should do.
0: Absolutely. It's in a, it's a fascinating movie and, um, one that has been parodied, as you said, but I think it's pretty easy to find and people should, people should watch it. Yep. Um, okay. My number two is a French film. So you're not the only sophisticated person here. Um, and it's called the diving bell and the butterfly.
1: Oh, I've never seen this.
0: And it is, um, about, uh, John Dominique Bobby, who I guess was, um, the editor of
1: <laughs> John Dominique Bobby. Yeah.
0: Who was the Ricky, editor of it's about Ricky Bobby, oh, Ricky Bobby, <laughs> 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 who was the editor of L magazine, I think. Um, And he has like a massive stroke and it leaves him with this condition called locked in syndrome, which is like, he's basically paralyzed, but he still has feeling and all. It's like the worst part of being paralyzed, but also he's got like feeling and all of his limbs and he can't move except for, um, he can blink his eyes or he can blink one of his eyes. And, um, he wrote an entire book. A biography that is the basis of this of this movie uh, by Blinking to his nurse. Um, it's beautifully shot by Janusz Kaminski, who J- Jeremy has worked with, and so has Steven Spielberg many, many times. <laughs> um, and he's an ama- It's an amazingly shot movie. It's directed by Julian Schnabel, um, and yeah, I just I it was one of those movies that I kind of just like stumbled upon, and like I would never, you know. I would like never agree to watch like if if Katie suggested it for example, um, but I'm so glad that I did. You know what I mean? And it was yep, so yep. good. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's so it captures this this man and, and and how he thinks about his life and yeah,
1: amazing. Yeah, that's been on my like my Netflix queue for about six years, seven years, whatever however long it's been yeah. since that came out. It's probably more than that. Jesus, probably like ten years. But um, all right. My number two. I'm curious how you will feel about this in terms of its biopic-ness. Uh It is Martin Scorsese's *Raging Bull*.
0: Yeah, I saw that on a lot of lists. That makes sense.
1: Um, I this movie just ranks so high in the canon of great movies. You know, it's almost hard to define it in a genre. I mean. you know is it it's is it the best sports movie ever made is it you know a a top biopic ever made right um you know but uh, you know much like the aviator and you know maybe something like wolf of wall street but very much unlike a movie like goodfellas um this does focus i think very heavily on the character um of ray lamotta in it and and i think that's what separates it and what makes it a biopic. because I don't classify it necessarily as a sports movie, you know what I mean? Like I, I think it's, if I had to pick a genre for *Raging Bull*, it would be biopic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's interesting that you say that. I, I I don't think of that movie that way. Just because I, I, it's like Jake LaMotta is not someone who is in my. Like, it's someone I think is, like, important to know about. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is, right? Like, it is a biopic.
1: I, I, right. But And that's a good point. But, like, s- to most people, neither is Mickey Ward. Sure. But The Fighter would be considered a biopic. Sure, So, sure. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's the same idea there.
0: Do, 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 do you, would you consider Schindler's List to be a, a biopic?
1: Uh, so, it's on my honorable mentions. It was, it was, uh, it's a brilliant film. Um, Isn't Schindler's but List? But I, I said no. Um, yeah, I don't
0: think it is either.
1: That to me felt like uh, a um, story of the Holocaust through Oscar Schindler's eyes. Yes, more so than a story <clears throat> yeah. of Oscar Schindler. Yes, yes.
0: Okay, all right. So my number one. I I'm glad we did this list because it's making me. Th- I, I I looked up. You know, it's so, revealing the man behind the curtain here. But like you know, sometimes we have to go to the internet to think of these lists. We can't just <laughs> think of them out of our out of our brilliant well. brilliant brains. Um,
1: you, you did you, oh that's uh I, I just I'll remember you just go
0: to your DVD list and and <laughs> yeah yeah um well and so um but my number one is one of a movie that I absolutely love and it's Amadeus directed by oh, great. I'm- Milosh Foreman. Um, I I absolutely love this movie, and it's so much. It really is. Uh, it really is a biopic, like from soup to nuts. You see the kid when he's young. You see him grow up. You see, but it's done just so originally that you kind of forget about that 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 aspect of it. Yep. Um, yeah. And man, I just I absolutely love Amadeus. It's a movie I, I think my dad showed me when I was probably too young to watch it. And uh, man, I uh, it's such
1: a good movie. It's it's so good, and I um I I've always prided myself on it was the Best Picture winner in our birth year. Oh, um, ah, sure, yeah. So I, I've always felt a very close connection to it for, for that reason. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's amazing. It was hard to keep off my list. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely glad that it made yours. It was one of those where I was going to be like, okay, we have to mention some honorable mentions because we didn't say Amadeus. Yeah. So I'm glad that you, you mentioned it. Um, all right, my number one is a movie that introduced me to the great George C. Scott in in his best performance ever, and one of the best performances ever in Patton. Ah. um this movie was amazing, and it to me like I, you know, it, it's it was one of those it, I guess in and sort of some way, shape, or form similar to what you described with the diving bell and the butterfly but not nearly to that extent like it just it wasn't a movie for whatever reason that just like hooked me like it didn't seem like a true war movie like it, it's you know it's it it's every time you see a trailer for an advertise or uh, the advertised advertisement for it it was just sort of him on stage with the American flag right. behind him giving a speech like it felt like a very much of this like character study which is what it is but like you you just get so much from George C. Scott in this movie and this is an example i uh, perhaps unlike some of the other ones where the performance does make or break it. And it isn't like it, it, if without it, you would lose everything else around it. And I think, you know, that's what I think a lot of biopics are credited with, you know, movies like Ray perhaps wouldn't have been what they were without a, uh, you know, an accurate depiction of Ray Charles from Jamie Foxx. But here, and I, I have no idea how accurate this, his depiction of, of Patton was but I imagine it was it was but it, you just get so much from him and you learn so much about Patton from George C. Scott's performance in this movie that it just it, it for me it's the best biopic I've ever seen
0: alright well that's gonna do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast we're gonna be back next week with uh, hopefully some more modern some more you know movies of our time <laughs> um, so yeah we will talk to you then
1: I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.